Well, good afternoon, evening, everybody. Almost evening. Uh, welcome to this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter Show. Um, I know it's I'm recording a bit later in the weekend than I usually do, but you know you're still getting a new episode. So listen, continue to listen, tell your friends about it. So uh, this is going to be a pretty short show this week. There just really hasn't been a lot of um, news newsworthy stuff. Um, really on the tech front, we're kind of, uh, you know, in the calm before the storm with uh, football um, starting up. We, you know, we did have some preseason games last night. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm mentioning them a little bit. I didn't even watch them, to be honest with you. Um, you know, NFL preseason, honestly, is not that important, <laughs> you know. So, um, again, uh we are going to have our official college football preview show next weekend. I'm hoping to drop that on Saturday the 20th. If something happens, worst case scenario, it will drop on Sunday the 21st. But you will have a, a pretty pretty extended show next weekend. I'm going to preview Texas Tech's schedule. We're going to go game by game. I'll give you my prediction on each game. We're going to talk Big 12 predictions, and then overall college football predictions. So that's next week. This week, like I said, there's a few little bits and pieces of news to talk about. Um, I got a few listener questions, not a lot, and then we'll end with the Chris Carpenter tip of the week. So uh, obviously we are we are in the midst of football. Um, Texas Tech has started their uh, fall football Cowboys played last night. The Chiefs played yesterday. They both lost. Does it matter? Probably in the grand scheme of things, no. I mean, Patrick Mahomes um, had one offensive drive. They marched down the field rather easily, and he exited. And as far as I'm concerned, does not need to see any preseason action at all anymore. Same with Kelsey. I'm perfectly fine with the entire first string on offense, not seeing any action. Now, defense, I think you you got to work on that with the Chiefs. Cowboys, they lost to the Broncos last night. I don't think Dak Prescott even played. <coughs> so, you know, whatever. It, NFL preseason is – I'm glad that they've cut it down to now three games. It used to be four, and if you played in the Hall of Fame game, it was five and I think it's good three games. There's not a whole lot um, that they need to do to get ready for the season. Preseason is where you risk injuries. We saw that with Michael Vick a few years ago. You saw that with, um, you know, a bunch. Of, Michael Vick's the one I could think of right now. I know there's been others, but, you know, that – so – it is what it is. I will recommend, though, if you have not watched uh, the first episode of Hard Knocks, um, watch it. The, this year it is the Detroit Lions being featured. Matt Campbell is a personality. Their number one pick, Aiden Hutchinson, seems like a really fun fun guy. I think it's going to be a pretty entertaining season of Hard Knocks, so tune in. But beyond that, preseason's just like it doesn't matter. So let's talk a little bit Texas Tech in the preseason, what's going on? Obviously, the big question mark right now for Texas Tech is who is going to be the starting quarterback going into week one against Murray State. You've got Tyler Shuck, you've got Baron Morton, you've got Donovan Smith are the three D 
duking it out. Most um, most sources are saying probably Baron Morton is going to be the number three no matter what. If that's not an indictment of his ability or talent. It's just he's still pretty young. He's still pretty young in this system. You know, remember he he is going to be a redshirt freshman this year. He only played uh, he played under four games last year, and so you've got you've still got some time to develop him. You know, and 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 what's really good this year for Texas Tech, and it hasn't been the case probably since Cliff Kingsbury's first year when they had uh, you know Baker Mayfield, Davis Webb, Michael Brewer, and then really even the next year they had Webb, Mahomes, and I think Michael Brewer was still there then or I can't remember but you 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 have a pretty full quarterback room and I really think all three you know even Baron Morton as young as he is if if they trot any of the three out on the field I think you've got a pretty solid quarterback out there I think you've got a quarterback that isn't going to cost you games now the question mark is do you have a quarterback that can win you some games. You know, Patrick Mahomes won you some games. Graham Harrell obviously won you some games. Tech hasn't really had, I mean, you know, you had you had the makings of something with Alan Bowman, but he just couldn't stay healthy. You know, Shimanek put up great numbers, but I don't think you can necessarily consistently put the game on his shoulders. I mean, although he did win you the UT game, but beyond that, I don't think you could consistently put put the game on his shoulders to win. You know, um, last year you had Columbia. Columbia was one. I think he was just – he was a placeholder, and you just hoped he didn't cost you the game. So that's the big, I think, question mark with the quarterbacks is do you have a quarterback – that can go win you games. Like I said, I think you've got all three quarterbacks aren't going to cost you games. I think they can go in there, manage the offense well. But, you know, you want to get to that next level quarterback. Can they do that? I think I think you've I think we've seen flashes from of that from Donovan Smith. You know, Donovan Smith played heck of a game against Mississippi State, heck of a game against Iowa State. Um, struggled against Oklahoma State, but again, was that more the Oklahoma State defense that was really solid last year with a freshman behind uh, behind center and only a second game? I don't know. Baylor, I thought he played pretty pretty solid there. So I think certainly Donovan Smith, he's not done growing either, and I think he could get to that point. Tyler Shuck to me is a big question mark. We didn't see a lot from him last year just because of injuries. You know, he uh, played against Houston. I thought had a pretty solid outing there. You know, the Stephen F. Austin game was just, I mean, it was a mess all around. It wasn't just a Tyler Shuck mess. It was a mess all around. Um, You know, Florida International, he looked good. But again, it's Florida International. And then he wasn't really in the UT game that long before he was knocked out. So, you know, Tyler Shuck's an unknown he put up pretty pretty impressive numbers at times in, uh, at Oregon two years ago. I don't know what we're going to see. I I think if I, if I had to pick who the starter is going to be today, I think it's probably going to be Tyler Shuck. I think the coaching staff has been wanting him to take the job and win 
win the job outright, and maybe in practice he's not indicating that. But I, I think probably September the 3rd, it's going to be Tyler Shuck trotting out there against Murray State. Tech, again, and I said this before, I think Tech's got a pretty good quarterback room this year. And it's probably the best quarterback room that they've had since the 2013-2014 season. You know, Donovan Smith, I think, is going to be a pretty solid backup. I think you would not – I would not be surprised if you see him um, in action for, you know, if, if Shuck's ineffective or if Shuck gets injured. I think you could see some Donovan Smith um, action there. And then who knows with Barrett Morton. I think you probably will see him. Hopefully you'll see him – see all three of them against Murray State because that means that the route is on. So, But I think right now here, August 14th, I would lean towards probably Tyler Shuck being the starter. Tech's biggest issue on offense isn't going to be the quarterback. Like I said, the quarterback, I think he, all three of them are talented enough to manage the offense. The big issue, and we've talked about it, last year all throughout of last year is the offensive line Um, last year's offensive line wasn't very good tech really hasn't had a solid offensive line probably past three four years i've said this and i've said this on twitter i think probably the best hire that joey mcguire made in the offseason was stephen hamby um this offensive line, this Texas Tech offensive line, has been severely lacking. And you know, I think bringing in someone who's had success, he had a lot of success at Western Kentucky. He was obviously a very talented offensive lineman in his own right when he was at Texas Tech. And you go back to those early 2000s teams, the secret sauce to that offense was the solid offensive line. And there was Quite a few of those offensive linemen that ended up playing on Sundays for a long time. And so that's what I'm really intrigued to see what happens this year and what this offensive line looks like. I think they've made the right moves in the offseason, bringing in Stephen Hamby. You know, they're bringing in that transfer from Western Kentucky. I think you're slowly elevating the offensive line talent. But to me, that's going to be the key to the offense working, you know, and if the offense, if the offensive line even elevates even just a little bit, I think that's going to be the difference between, you know, four and eight and getting to six and six, maybe even seven and five, you know, um, so that's kind of what I'm going to be keeping an eye on this year, especially uh, at the beginning with the Murray State game, because it was pretty even indicative last year when Tech played Stephen F. Austin that we had issues on off on the offensive line. It certainly was evident against, evident against Houston, but you know, then you go play an FCS opponent and Stephen F. Austin, and you're still struggling as an offensive line. That doesn't bode well, and so I think we're going to have our answer pretty early on, even against a team like Murray State, whether or not this offensive line is better than it was last year. So. The other big news uh, this week has to do with uh, television negotiations. The Big Ten is basically negotiated their next television deal. They're going to obviously Fox is going to be their primary partner, but they are also picking up NBC and CBS 
and they are completely shutting ESPN out. So that was uh, for first time in 40 years that ESPN will not be carrying any Big Ten programming. So here's how this affects the Big 12. There's two, two big ways that this affects the Big 12. Um, number one, I think this probably shuts the door on the Big 12 ending up on either NBC or CBS. I think certainly NBC, that door is shut. Um, because NBC now has the Big Ten plus Notre Dame. They're not going to have a need for any additional college football uh, college sports programming. CBS, I still think, might be a slim possibility. It's just going to depend on does CBS want to expand their sports coverage? You know, they they seem to have been pretty content past 10, 15 years putting on, you know, the big SEC game of the week, having one game on Saturday on CBS. And sometimes they'll have doubleheaders, but pretty rarely. If they keep that schedule, I don't see them going after a Big 12 um, conference package. The one intriguing thing is, do they want to add content to their streaming platform, Paramount Plus? If they want to add content to their streaming platform, that could be an opening for the Big 12. I'm still not seeing it. I don't. I, I think it's. I would give a zero percent chance that the NBC bids on the Big 12. I'm probably going to give about a 15 percent chance that CBS bids on the Big 12. So I, I don't think those two um, networks are open for business when it comes to the Big 12. And so I think what that leaves the Big 12 is Fox and ESPN. And we've talked about this quite a bit, you know, the the strengths, um, the pros and cons of both. You know, I think probably what is ultimately going to happen is that you are going to see a very similar deal. And I'm not talking in terms of money, but I think you're going to see a very similar similar deal in terms of where the Big 12 is on at. I think you will see both uh, Big 12 on Fox and ESPN. Going with Fox, you're going to be the number two option, but I do think Fox is going to need some additional content programming in addition to the Big 10. Because remember, Fox has been the carrier of the Pac-12, one of the carriers of the Pac-12, they're not going to carry the Pac-12 anymore. They've made that very clear. And so they're either going to expand their Big Ten coverage, which that could be that's going to be difficult, even though you've added USC and UCLA to have primetime games in a lot of these Big Ten markets. The Big 12 can come along and fulfill that. You know, and then you've also got the Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, you know. Um, factor as well, getting games on there. So I do think the Big 12 probably gets some games on Fox. I think they probably also will end up with uh, some games on ESPN. Here's where it gets interesting, and here's where it gets to conference realignment, because I think ESPN is going to have to make a choice. I do not think they're going to pay to broadcast both Big 12 and Pac-12 games. And I think the ESPN is going to be probably the final death knell for the Pac-12 because 
I think when ESPN looks around and, and compares Big 12 to Pac-12, the Big 12 is a more attractive conference, and it's especially more attractive if you move those four corner schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, any of those combinations to the Big 12, then you're, you are basically the Big 12 is now a conference that is coast to coast. You can have games on the entire day Saturday, even going into the, you know, what was quote unquote the Pac 12 after dark. You can very easily have a Big 12 after dark if you add those teams from the Pac 12. So I think this is probably we're going to see ESPN go with the Big 12, pay the money for the Big 12, kind of do the final knockout blow for the Pac-12, and then you will see some of the, the the Four Corners teams specifically come into the Big 12. You know, I've talked about it before on this podcast. The big downside with ESPN is you're the number three option. Um, SEC, head and shoulders, clearly miles, miles and mi- miles and miles and miles is the number one option for ESPN ACC's a solid number two because ESPN has poured millions of dollars into creating an ACC network. If you're the Big 12, you're the number three option, which is why I think you need to you need to also have a negotiation with Fox and get some money out of them as well. And then again, we uh, haven't even talked about it yet, but I do think this go around you will see. Amazon get into the college sports game. Um, there were also reports this week that Apple TV is negotiating with the Big Ten for some games. I think you're going to see Amazon get into the college sports game, and I, I really think it would be a great, um, great uh, thing for the Big 12 to get that Amazon, be a part of that Amazon contract package. So. You're not going to make SEC Big Ten money if you're the Big 12. All of this, and we've talked about this since the USC-UCLA news broke in June, all of these decisions and all of these strategies for the Big 12 need to be with the intention of ensuring that you are a, you are the solid number three conference. You know, Right now, it's SEC Big Ten way up here. ACC still pretty solid at number three, and then four and five has been Pac-12, Big 12. ACC's got their own problems, and I'll talk about that in a minute, uh, with how that's going to affect the Big 12. The Big 12 has an opportunity with, with Brett Yormark as commissioner to elevate themselves to that number three position and still get solid television money. Now, the other big thing that the Big 12 needs to start planning for is what are the teams from the ACC that you could potentially want in the Big 12? Because the next conference realignment is going to be centered around the ACC and it's going to be centered around the SEC taking the teams that they want from the ACC. And uh, we've talked about it on this podcast before. Clemson, certainly, they're going to be SEC-bound at some point. Who will join them? I think it's probably going to be Florida State. I think you'll see definitely Clemson, Florida State. 
potentially, depending on does the SEC want to take more than those two teams, then I think you could see a North Carolina and a Miami go. Um, So if you're the Big 12, you need to be making some plans to raid the ACC once that happens because there are some programs, there are some prized programs that I think would do very well bringing them into the Big 12 and would get you more money. Pittsburgh would be uh, a team I would invite to the Big 12. You now have that backyard brawl with West Virginia Pittsburgh in your own conference and you got a pretty good metropolitan area there in Pittsburgh. If if the SEC doesn't invite Miami, you make a phone call and you bring in Miami. That would be a very solid invite. I don't think that's going to happen. I think probably Miami more most likely ends up in the SEC, but you know, if it doesn't happen, they're perfect to be plucked into the into the Big 12. Um Louisville, Louisville would be another program that I think would be someone you'd want to bring into the Big 12. You know, Louisville very closely about 10 years ago almost ended up in the Big 12. It was basically down to, you know, when when A&M and Missouri left, you know, TCU was brought into the Big 12 and then as the Big 12 was searching for that 10th team, it really came down to either West Virginia or Louisville and the Big 12 ended up going with West Virginia. You know, that's a that's a whole other debate. You know, did they make the right decision there? But I think you have an opportunity within the next few years to bring in Louisville into the Big 12. And I think that would be a very solid program to bring in. You know, Virginia Tech. I think if Virginia Tech's on the board still, if the SEC doesn't get them, if the Big Ten doesn't respond to the the rating of the ACC by the SEC by bringing in a Virginia Tech, I would swoop in and bring in Virginia Tech if I'm the Big Twelve. I think that's a very solid program to bring in, and so you know that's those are discussions that the Big Twelve needs to be having now um, because one of the big issues that the Big Twelve has had through the years is that they've been a very reactionary conference. They wait for something to happen and then they do it. I think you're I think you're going to have an opportunity because of the ACC being rated to bring in some good programs that are going to make you money um and, and so I, hopefully those are some discussions taking place. So that's why by the way I think an- another reason why this whole idea of let's just merge with the Pac-12 is a dead on arrival idea in the Big 12 because you're going I think you're going to have an opportunity to get some better programs from the ACC than what are currently in the Pac-12. And that's why you pick you pick the good um you pick what's what's left of the good of what's left in the Pac-12, bring them in and then prepare yourself to hopefully down the road bring in some of those ACC schools and then you're you're really solidifying your status as the solid number three conference, you're solidifying yourself as, hey, we're, we're at least going to get one team into the playoff, if not more, if there's an expansion. And you, and, you t- and you take out the ACC 
Because if, if the ACC is rated by the SEC and the Big Ten, and then you raid the, the good teams that are left, you've basically taken out another conference. So those are some things that hopefully Brett Yormark and the rest of the Big 12 um, leadership is thinking about right now. You know, you can't control whether or not the four corner schools make the decision to come to the uh, Big 12. I'm sure that their their offers have been made, but ultimately they're going to have to they're going to have to accept. But I think you can control making yourself attractive enough to bring in some quality schools if if uh, uh you know another round of conference realignment takes place. So conference realignment's always really fun to talk about, you know, in the off season and it always seems like it's that's when it bubbles up. So you know, um Beyond the the teams we've talked about from the Pac-12 accepting invites to the Big 12, I don't see a lot of more movement coming from conference realignment. You know, if the Pac-12, I think, if the Pac-12 continues to exist, I think they probably stay at 10 because I don't think there's not, there's not a university left for them to invite that really enhances them. You know, San Diego State isn't going to get them more money in, from the t- television networks. That's the big difference in this year from last year. The Big 12, bringing in those four schools of BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, they were bringing in schools that were attractive to the television markets. I don't think San Diego State is in that boat. Fresno State's not in that boat. As much as they want to be, Boise State's not in that boat. So Pac-12, I think, if they if ESPN chooses to fund them, they're going to stay at 10. So those are things kind of worth watching. We'll see if their movement, you know, it's, it's, it's an endless, it's going to be an endless thing to watch. And, you know... It's one of those things when you don't have uh, any sports playing, that's what we talk about. So we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we will have some listener questions. And welcome back to this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter Show. It's now time for listener questions. Two ways to ask questions. Number one, make sure you are following the official Twitter of the Chris Carpenter Show, which is at The C Carp Show. And follow the official TikTok of The Chris Carpenter Show, which is just The Chris Carpenter Show. Not a lot of questions this week. We didn't even hear from Orenthal, so I don't know if he is in hiding or if he, if they, if Marsha Clark finally caught up with him. Who knows? Um, first question, this is Aaron from Buda, Texas. If you don't know where that is, look it up. And he, Aaron wants to know, do I think... One of the three quarterbacks, Morton, Smith, or Shuck, will they transfer? Will they enter the transfer portal depending on who is named the starter? Good question. I don't think that they will enter the transfer portal this year. I could could potentially see going into next year either Smith or Morton entering the transfer portal. I think Tyler Shuck, this is his last year in college, no matter what. Um, you know, he is he is signed with a 
with the promotion business through NIL, and his goal is to get himself higher draft status. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I'm not bashing Chuck for, for that because if you're if you're a college football player, a lot of them want to play in the pros someday, and they're they're gonna make they're gonna take the steps necessary to do that. So it doesn't make him selfish or anything like that. That you know that that's what he's setting himself up for. Because here's what I hope: if he's if he's a first round quarterback pick, first round draft pick, that means that he had a great season at Texas Tech and led Texas Tech to a lot of wins. So, but I think bottom line, I think Shuck. Probably this is his last year in college. I think um, I personally was a little bit surprised he came back after last year, but I think probably he felt like he needed to have a little bit more tape for NFL scouts to see and gets his opportunity and hopefully has a great season, goes on to the NFL, and you've got another Texas Tech quarterback there. So. So bottom line, I think, Shuck, this is his last year. And so going into next year's quarterback competition, 2023, you're going to have Donovan Smith. You're going to have Baron Morton. You're also going to have the guy that they're bringing in from the 2023 class. I think his name is Jake Strong. I don't remember where he's from. but So you're going to have, obviously, three quarterbacks again. Strong will probably probably be redshirted. So now, now it's going to be down to Baron Wharton or Donovan Smith, and I do believe most likely, uh, you know the the person that is not named the starter in that competition between Smith and Morton probably will enter the transfer portal at that point, and don't blame them for that at all. You know the way that the system is set up now. If you're a quarterback, I mean, they, you only play one quarterback on a team. And, you know, these are these are players that are wanting to get to be out there on the field. They want to achieve their NFL dreams. Certainly, I think Morton and Smith want to go play in the NFL someday. They're going to do what's best for them to achieve that opportunity. So, you know, if that means entering the portal and going somewhere else, they will. And so I do think this year we don't have to worry about that, but next year, I think one of those Morton or Smith, whoever does not get the starting nod in 2023 will enter the portal. So that's why you have to continuously recruit. Every recruiting class has to have a quarterback. That was one of the problems that Cliff and then Matt Wells as well had in their recruiting classes as they were really not bringing it. I mean, there were, I think, two or three classes that cliff did not have a quarterback in and that's why you end up having to go the transfer route or the junior college route bringing in you know shimanek jackson tyner you know players like that henry columbi is because you were not recruiting quarterbacks the way that you should and you know not taking a shot at those players but i think your your good quality programs typically are recruiting there are bringing in at least one quarterback per recruiting class. So that's the strategy. And I think Joey McGuire is doing that certainly. So good question from, uh, from Aaron from Bastrop. And we've got another question. This is Carl and he is from Dalhart 
and he is asking about what are my thoughts on the Brent Venables um, Kale Gundy situation that happened this week. So good question from Carl. Yeah, it's I think it's a mess. I think it says a lot more about Brent Venables than it does Kale Gundy. And I don't think it's very complimentary towards Brent Venables at all. So a little bit of background. Um, Kale Gundy, apparently there was a player in a player meeting, in a team meeting that was on his iPad, not paying attention. Kale Gundy read what was on the player's iPad, and there was some sort of racially derogatory word on the iPad. They haven't come out and said it, but most likely, most likely it was probably the N-word. That's Most people are inferring that's probably what was said. I will say this. I don't think anybody should utter that word. It's a horrible word. It's, ob- it's a racial slur, obviously. Nobody, no matter who you are, should be saying a word like that. Having said that, I don't think this indicates that Kale Gundy is racist. I think he made a mistake in reading that word out loud. Uh, but I do think Brent Venables probably wanted to get rid of him before any of that anyway. You know, Kale Gundy has been on the previous staffs at OU. And I think this is a, this was a perfect opportunity for Brent Venables to get rid of Kale Gundy. And he succeeded at that. And there you go. I was really big on the Brent Venables train um, about three, four years ago. You know, when Cliff got fired, Brent Venables was my number one prospect. That's who they, that's who tech needed to hire. I thought it was going to, I thought it would have, would have been a home run hire. I'm kind of changing my tune now because if I'm an assistant coach or if I'm an up and coming wanting to become a coach, I don't know if I'd want to work for Brent Venables because to me, he just threw Kale Gundy completely under the bus unfairly. And ultimately I think, I think that's, that's a really bad decision on his part. And it's going to be interesting to see how does Brent Venables be as a head coach. We'll see. But that, that to me, there, there were some red flags there. So that's really all my questions this week. Um, again, follow the official Twitter of The Chris Carpenter Show. It is at The C Carp Show. And then make sure you're following the official TikTok of The Chris Carpenter Show. It's just simply The Chris Carpenter Show. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, I will end with the Chris Carpenter Tip of the Week. And welcome back to this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter Show. It is now time for the Chris Carpenter Tip of the Week. And my tip of the week is going to be for all you teachers out there. I'm a teacher as well. We uh, Some of you have already started school. Some of you are going to be starting school this week. Some, I, I, I think there are still some that start after Labor Day, not very many. But um, just want to give you some words of encouragement. Uh, I know that the past few years have been a little rough, to say the least. And I, I, I try to be a teacher when I'm not at school, when I'm hanging out with 
friends. I try not to be a teacher that complains a lot because it seems like there's a lot of that going on. You know, if you scroll through TikTok, it I don't know if I guess the algorithm has has, has knows I'm a teacher cuz I, I always end up with these like teacher TikToks that are teachers griping and complaining about this that or the other and I get it. There's a lot of frustrating stuff. I I, I understand that. Some of the stuff they gripe and complain about uh, that they gripe and complain about, I would probably agree with. Um, but it, I don't think it's real healthy to start any school year off with, you know, griping and complaining. I'm taking the attitude of I'm going to do my best and pursue excellence the best I can, no matter what. And let's jump in and let's get in the fight. And I think it's I think it's going to be a great year. I, I think the more time between we had our COVID lockdowns and now, I think we're going to continue to recover. And I think it's been part of the problem that's been going on last couple of years is, you know, we made a really bad mistake in locking down um, the way we did um, with schools. And I, we've been seeing the consequences of that. And the more that schools are back open, the more that we're able to be there and and it's going to be messy. That's that's just the way it's going to be. But the more that you know we're in there, working and training and practicing with students, uh, the better I think it's going to get. So, um, blessings to all the teachers start that have started school, starting school, are going to start school in a few weeks. Um, blessings on your year, students. If I have students listening on here. Blessings on your school year. Just know that teachers are not out there to get you. We don't plot. <laughs> we don't plot in the teacher's lounge to say, how can we get that student and be mean to that student? That's not, that's not intentions at all. It's always about doing and preparing you to be the best person and best citizen of this, of this great nation that you can be. So blessings on all the students going back and, you know, let's, let's make it a great school year and, you know, thank a teacher, you know, thank, thank a teacher, do something nice for a teacher, even, even a nice, I've said this before on here, even a nice handwritten note goes a long way, but I like Sonic drinks too. If you want to do that, just kidding. Um, kind of. So blessings, great school year. Let's get it. Let's get to it. Um, again, I'll be back next week, and next week's going to be our college football preview show. Preview show, so it should be a fun one. Hope everybody has a great week, and I will see you next week for our college football preview show on the Chris Carpenter Show.